you, Lord. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor and thanks. Father, we thank you that we are forever yours, that based on the covenant that you've made with us through Christ. And uh, Lord, we're so grateful and thankful for your grace and mercy that resides and washes over our lives. Father, I pray this morning that you would open us up to receive everything that you have for us today, that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, that you would open our ears to hear your small, still voice speaking through our hearts. Lord God, that you would open our hearts to receive everything, everything that you have for us this morning. And Lord God, that we would walk away changed because we've encountered you and you've done something miraculous in our hearts and our lives. And so, Lord, we, we pray these things with expectation. We come expecting to receive from you in fullness. So we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ariana. Student ministry, warrior youth, you guys are released to go back. It's great to, yeah, it's great to see them here. It's great to see all of you here. And I want to thank you again uh, for braving the, the rain and canoeing over or kayaking over, however, whatever it took to get over here this morning. We're continuing in the series, The Gifts from the Holy Spirit. And this morning's sermon is God Gives Many Gifts. Last week, we, we looked at Romans chapter 12, and I just wanted to kind of recap that. And these are in Romans 12, 6 through 13. It's referred to as the motivational gifts. Listen, don't get hung up on titles just because somebody says they're the motivational gifts or whatever. They're gifts from God. We need to receive all the gifts that he asks for us. And in Romans uh, 12, 6, it says these are the ones that are listed. Gift of prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and kindness. I always thought that kindness kind of stuck out, but you know, kindness is important, and we as Christians, we, we can be a great witness just by being kind to people. Uh, we were, Christine and I were at a restaurant last night, uh, just a drive through restaurant, and the lady was just rude, and I'm like, there, there was no reason to be rude, and I wanted to be rude back, <laughs> but I wasn't. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's like if we could just be kind... <clears throat> And when someone is rude to us, if, if we can just continue to, to stay focused and say, you know what, they're being rude to me, but there's no reason for me to react and respond accordingly. I can respond in kindness and graciousness because I don't know what that person is going through. They may be going through a really difficult time. Um, so I guess the thing to do would be to pray for them. The key is found in verse 9 in Romans 12. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Do you really love people? Um, and again, I've, I've encouraged you guys to do this numerous times, but pray that God will help you to really love people, especially those people that are difficult to love, that, that God will change your heart. And when, when we pray that prayer, it's amazing what God does. God honors that prayer. And it goes on to say here, that uh, to hate what is wrong. Listen, hate is a strong word, but we should repel, we should resist the things that are wrong and hold tightly to what is good. In Ephesians, it talks about, uh, or rather Philippians 4, it says to think on the things that are good, lovely, just, righteous. Think on those things. So when your mind begins to wander and you begin to think about a bunch of negativity or whatever, turn those, turn, turn those thoughts back to God and the things of God, and, and remind yourself of who He says you are, that you're what is prized possession. 
that you're his masterpiece. So that will help us stay on track. So let me read this again. Romans 12, 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Additionally, when we were reading through these passages of Scripture, we read that whatever gift God has given you, do it well. Use it well. Use it with excellence. In the past few weeks, we've, we've been laying this foundation of, of really where I wanted to start uh, this series. Um, so it's taken us seven weeks to get here. But I think that these foundational teachings are, are really important to help us help launch us into where God wants to take us. My first point is Jesus is still the greatest gift. And I think that was my only point last week. You know, we just can't get away from that. I mean, he is our greatest gift. In Ephesians 2.8, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. So Jesus is our greatest gift. And I know a lot of times we may get focused on the gift and forget about the giver of the gifts. And it's, it was never designed to be that way. And I'll talk more about that this morning. But Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's not just about eternal life, but it's walking in the fullness of life today. Right now, this afternoon, when you go to the restaurant, when you leave here, when you're off tomorrow and you're barbecuing, whatever it is, God has given us the free gift of life and, and that we can walk in the fullness of life today. So let's not forget about that either. So now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to continue to unpack more of the gifts from the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be going to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. And I'm going to try to get through 11 verses today. I think I can do it. Uh, we're going to give it a shot anyway. Please consider that the Bible is full of stories and examples of God's gift to his people and to us. Well, regarding uh, 1 Corinthians, it's believed that Paul wrote four letters to the Corinthians, the church of Corinth. It's believed that 1 Corinthians is actually the second letter, and fourth, uh, 2 Corinthians is actually the fourth letter. So letters, the first and third letters apparently were lost. Now, just to give you a little bit of background on Corinth, Corinth became a Roman colony in approximately 44 AD. It was an important community. Uh, that consisted mainly of Gentiles, non-Jews. Corinth was a major seaport on the coast of modern-day Greece, and it was on a thin strip of land with sea on both sides, and so it allowed cargo to be transferred across this narrow strip of land, eliminating a, about a 200-mile trek around the Greece peninsula, which was sometimes treacherous and stormy. And so it was such a narrow strip of land, they could just transfer... Uh, cargo across that, that thin strip of land. Small ships could even be moved across on a series of rollers. Um, if you can get to the same place and save yourself 200 miles, especially back then, it was probably very advantageous. Corinth was a very diverse culture, ethnic mix, and had a, a whole host of different religions. They were very, very multicultural. And uh, it sounds a lot like Houston. I've, I've shared the statistic with you that but I've heard that of the six million people that live in the Houston area, that one million of those people were not born here in the U.S. And so Houston is, is uh, I think, now the most diverse city in America. And so it was a lot like Corinth, it sounds like. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians in about 55 A.D. 
and addressed several issues that were going on in the early church. And although Corinth was a Roman city, they worshipped Greek uh, and pagan gods. And Corinth was a thriving community with lots of activity and visitors. Sexual immorality was prevalent along with idol worship. And in fact, many of the temples encouraged sexual immorality. And through Paul's letters, he was addressing a number of questions that the early church had and attempting to bring correction to a number of the issues that they were dealing with. These non-Jews were now new followers of Christ, and they were navigating their way through their newfound faith in Christ and learning how to live it in a morally corrupt environment. I mean, it was really, really corrupt. And it, 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 when I look at America, it seems like we're going more that direction too. And so we really need to be solid in, in the Word of God. We need to be solid in our relationship with the Lord and know what we believe and why we believe it. And that's why Bible study is so vitally important that you come on Wednesdays. That's why, you know, you need to continue to come on Sunday mornings. Bring your children so they can be trained up and equipped with the Word of God so that they can stand firm and not falter when pressure comes. I want to give you a definition, one definition I saw of what a spiritual gift is. An instantaneous enablement by God through the power of the Holy Spirit to do or to say something beyond one's natural ability in order to fulfill a specific purpose of God within the time frame he determines. You have that memorized? Yeah, me too. Let me read that again. Uh, this is a, a definition of spiritual gifts, an instantaneous enablement by God through the power of the Holy Spirit to do or to say something beyond one's natural ability in order to fulfill a specific purpose of God within the time frame he determines. Okay, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives. I don't want you to misunderstand this. Paul is teaching these, uh, try, attempting to teach these new Christians about the gifts. And I think that there is a lot of misunderstanding in the body of Christ today about some of the gifts that God gives. And they were never, God is not the author of confusion and he never gives things to cause confusion or to cause division in the church. The gifts are for the church, to help the church, not to hinder the church. And Paul is teaching them about the gifts and the correct use of the gifts. Again, the gifts are given to build us up so that we can be strong, so that we can build one another up, so that we can impact the lost and dying world, so we can reach the communities around us. And the gifts were never given as a, a test or a mark to see who was more spiritual. Have you ever been around people that almost seem to come across arrogant because they have a gifting of God? Listen, they wouldn't have that gifting of God except that God has given that to them. It's not for their own good. It's, it's to, to impact the kingdom of God and to build the body of Christ. Okay, so let me read one again. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Verse 2. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. One, one translation says dumb idols. And uh, Paul is addressing their former lifestyles. He's saying, you were once like this. 
I don't know about you, but I can look back and see where I came from. I can look back and see what I once was and, and the lifestyle that I used to live. And it wasn't of the rich and famous. But, you know, we can all look back and see where God has begun to transform our lives. And that's what he does best. So Paul is addressing their former lifestyles. I shared with you, I've shared with you several times about my field trip with probably about 30 other pastors where we went to different religious temples and uh, and I saw some of these idols that people bowed down to and worshiped and some of them some of these statues were uh, kind of hideous looking actually and some of them were they had these these uh, real uh, ornate clothes on these statues and they were behind these doors that were iron doors where you couldn't really reach in and touch them and I remember going to this other temple and people were bowing down and worshiping the statue of Buddha and it just seems so foreign to me but I can see how people that don't know any different how they could get caught up in that and, and I was in, in awe that people were actually kneeling down and worshiping and, and praying to these idols it was it was very strange to me but I again I could see where people could just be swept along with no regard for the Holy Spirit no regard for a personal relationship with the Lord, that it's all about religion. God never designed this thing to be about religious activities. It's always been about a personal relationship with Him. And so these people that are worshiping these idols would seem to be very stagnant and very lifeless and just a religious exercise because I, I don't know what they could get out of that. I so appreciate the Holy Spirit being able to speak to us. And, and be able to read the Word and the living Word come alive to us and begin to speak to us. Let's read verse 3. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Holy Spirit will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Say Jesus is Lord. Jesus. Okay. All right. Good. Good job. Let's read verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them. Paul is specifically talking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives here. These gifts represent a diversity, a difference, even a variety of different gifts. Let's, let's, uh, let's look at that again. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. So where do they come from? They come from the Spirit of God. Absolutely. Verse 5. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Um, so we can have a gift and, and be using those within the church. Um, there, there are some of you that are serving on the greeting team. There's some of you that are serving in Kingdom Kids or the Tech Arts team. And so there's different kinds of service, but we're serving the same Lord. When we understand that it's all to build the kingdom of God, and you may be thinking, well, I come on Sunday morning and I set up the canopies and the chairs. It's not really important. It is important. You may be thinking, well, I'm just standing out there waving at people as they drive by. That's important because it's all part of the puzzle that God is putting together, and it's, it all works together. And I can remember when, when we first started, Christine and I were doing everything and because there was no one else to really do much. And I remember when we started, uh, we had all the children meeting in one room. And now we have, what, five classrooms, and we need to multiply that even more. We need to break out some of those, those classrooms even more. But, so as we grow, 
It requires more of us to get involved. And many of you are stepping up to the plate. Most of you are stepping up to the plate and serving Him. And that's so wonderful. So as we do that, we're building the kingdom of God. We're pouring into our children. We're pouring into each other. We're setting an example, not only for the world to see, but for people in-house to see. That we're setting a standard here of excellence. And there have been people that have come through the church and... They're not here any longer, but they would get frustrated because they would say things like, well, you want all, you're just concerned about perfection. You'd say, no, we're not concerned about perfection. We're concerned about excellence and representing God properly. Why would we give him any less? Amen. Your serving is, is vitally important. And as we do this, we're serving the Lord and demonstrating the different kinds of service. Verse 5. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Okay, verse 6. God works in different ways, but, it's this, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. God is not limited. And I think sometimes we may try to put God in a box, but He's not limited. He can work through His Word as we read His Word. I don't know how many times God has spoken to me and given me fresh revelation or insight into my life or into what I'm to share on Sunday mornings through His Word, through prayer, through music. When Kirk Whalen was here, I thought it was awesome. I mean, the presence of God was so strong here. And so music can do a lot. I, I've been sitting in my car numerous times, and, and God has been speaking to me powerfully through music and are, are bringing something, bringing help and healing and wholeness to my soul because I'm hearing the Word of God and, and it's doing something in my life through art. God will even use your boss. God will sometimes certainly speak to us directly through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's used all of these in my life. And so if you see someone, for instance, operating in the strong gift of prophecy, the power and the accuracy of that prophecy comes from God. It doesn't come from them. When... When I pray for people and they, they've been healed, man, that wasn't me. It was just God was speaking through me, pouring through me. So as we just avail ourselves to God, He does the work. It's really easy. And we don't have to, you know, fight and scrap and claw for a gift. Just say, God, what do you want to use me? How do you want to use me today? And, and then as we avail ourselves, He will do that. And He may use us in different ways. Are you open to that? I am. I'm like, God, whatever you want to do, he makes it happen. So my first point this morning is Jesus is still the greatest gift. My second point is spiritual gifts are given to help each other. Let's read on in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can what? Help each other. So if you're saved, you have a spiritual gift. That's what I'm reading here. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. You may say, well, I don't know what my gift is. Well, maybe he's told you and you aren't listening. Oh, that can't be God. I don't want to do that. God would never ask me to clean the toilets. Well, he might. And you might find your gifting in that. <laughs> I would say, if you aren't hearing from the Lord regarding your gift, maybe it's right in front of you and God is just like, hey, hello, open your eyes. The opportunities are right here before you. It may be that as you step out, God will lead you to the correct place of your gifting. I've talked about, Barb, how uh, 
she stepped up to teach in Kingdom Kids, and she said, I don't know if I can do this. I, I don't really feel like I'm a teacher, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm equipped, and now she loves it. And, you know, the great thing about teaching in Kingdom Kids, if you don't know a lot about the Bible, that's a great place to learn, because you're teaching the children the basic foundational truths, and as you're teaching them, you're getting it down in, inside of you. So it's a great place to learn. Not only that, but it's a great way to pour into our children. I don't think you could drag Barb out of the children's ministry now. She loves it there. And so she was hesitant, but you know what? She saw a need. There was an opportunity right before her. And she said, hey, I'm going to step out and give it a try. And she knew that if it didn't work out, well, she wouldn't be stuck there for decades. But she was willing to step out. And I found that Christine and I have never had lack in finding our giftings. I mean, I've known for a long time that part of my gifting was, was in praise and worship, and Christine is gifted as a teacher, but we've done all kinds of things. And what that's done in our life, it's expanded our capacity for more. And so when we would see an opportunity, we're like, with Pastor Don or somebody, would, our pastor would come to us and say, hey, uh, we have a need in this area. Will you help? Yeah, I'll help. What do you mean? So we've served in all kinds of areas, in adult ministry and, uh, I mean, just every facet of ministry that I can think of. But we're willing because we understand that it's not about me or it's not about us. It's about building the kingdom of God. And I so appreciate so many of you have the wit attitude, whatever it takes. Hey, man, there's some paper out there in the parking lot. Would you pick it up? Hey, uh, Lewis, would you park my car over there. You know, whatever it takes, everybody's working together, and I think that's so unique in some in some respects of Life Fellowship, because there are a lot of churches where people are not working together, where people are about building their own kingdom. No, this is my kingdom over here. You stay over there. But I don't see that here, and I never want to see that here. I want to see us continuing to work together to build the kingdom of God, and, and one of the consequences or results of that is that we're built up, that we're expanded. And I've shared numerous uh, examples where by stepping out in faith, God has opened up more doors for me. So if we're just willing to avail ourselves, then God will do some interesting things in our life and take us maybe down a path that he's trying to get us to that we would have never gone down. His giftings for us will make room for us. Listen, if he's gifted you in doing something, he's going to open up the doors for you to do those things. And sometimes it's just a matter of faith of us stepping out. If you begin to serve, you may find that an area that you thought you, you really didn't care for may actually be something that you end up loving. Let me say this, too, that as if, if uh, Life Fellowship is your home church, you should be serving in some capacity. There's plenty of things to do. And if you say, well, I only have 15 or 20 minutes, let me give you an example of something that you could do. Every week, almost every week, I go out and I canvas the campus here. And I look for fire ant beds, and I put fire ant killer on there. I take the Roundup, and I go kill the weeds in the flower bed and in the sidewalks and stuff like that. So even if you have 15 minutes, you could serve. That's one thing that you could do. There are things that you can do for Kingdom Kids. They, they have to cut out things for their arts and crafts. You could maybe even do that from the house. So there are a number of areas that you can serve. Take ownership. This is your church. Serving helps us grow and here's another thing that it does. It helps us to get over our selfishness and pride. We can see Christ as the greatest example for us. God doesn't always give you what you want. He'll give you what's needed. 
All right. So let me go back over this definition of spiritual gifts. An instantaneous enablement by God through the power of the Holy Spirit to do or to say something beyond one's natural ability in order to fulfill a specific purpose of God within the time frame he determines. Maybe he's gifted you to clean the toilets because they need to be cleaned right now. You know, or whatever that looks like. Moving on here. My first point, Jesus is still the greatest gift. My second point is spiritual gifts are given to help each other. And my third point is God distributes the gifts. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. The Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit leads, the Lord may give you wisdom in counseling with someone. Sometimes I just need to be quiet and just listen to what's being said, or more importantly, listen to the Holy Spirit and see what He's saying. And sometimes I'll begin to speak, and, and it's like the Holy Spirit will say, shut up, just stop, right now, stop. And if I continue on, then sometimes it, it's like I know that, that the words are not being effective. But if we will just listen, fine-tune our sensitivity, and say what the Lord tells us to say, and stop when he says stop, everybody would be a lot better off. And sometimes I think of something, I'm like, oh, wow, this would be really good to say in the Holy Spirit. Says, no, don't say that, please. <laughs> so we need to listen and be sensitive to him, and he will lead us and guide us and help us. 1 Corinthians 12, 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. I've had situations where the Holy Spirit's revealed uh, someone's heart or the heart of the matter, or, or an attitude or something like that, that just hit me out of the blue. I'm like, wow, I didn't have any idea that was going on until the Holy Spirit revealed that to me. And listen, it doesn't have to be weird and kooky. You know, I mean, we, it should be natural for us to receive uh, from the Holy Spirit because uh, God's Spirit resides within us, so it should be a natural thing that we're receiving from the Lord. Jesus said, I go that the Holy Spirit may lead you and guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is our helper. So we need him. A lot of times the Holy Spirit will speak to me about a situation, and not just to me, but, but any of us, about things and give us insight that we may have never, ever considered. And all of a sudden, boom, it's like the light comes on. Oh, now I get it. Now I can understand. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, it's for me to share and sometimes it's just for me to know, and which will give me insight into a person or a situation or something going on. I remember a, a situation where there was a family that came to our church, and the guy was a musician. He was a very gifted musician. He, he was, well, he played in a well-known band. They, he had a Grammy that he won and stuff like that. They started coming to our church, and I began to sort of mentor him and and uh, spend time with him and try to encourage him and his wife. They were, they were really having some struggles. And I remember there was a guy that, that uh, sometimes would have a word of knowledge. And he came up to them one, one day or one evening after service, and, and he began to share something with them that could, all, could have only come from the Lord. And it was right on. Because I knew some of the background situation that was going on in this family. And what this gentleman shared was right on target. But the timing was terrible. 
I think that the Lord had given him that just to give him insight, but I don't think that he was supposed to share it because it kind of backfired. And, and so that's why we really need to be sensitive to the Lord because the Lord may show you something or give you something, but it doesn't mean that you have to go tell the whole world. And this guy was kind of braggadocious, in my opinion. He would, he would come across real spiritual, and, and truly he had a gift from the Lord, but sometimes he just didn't know when to keep his mouth shut and how to respond to the Word of God. And so that comes with training. That comes with the Lord speaking to us and us responding and us messing up. Have you ever seen uh, a dad out there mowing the yard and then a little junior comes along with his plastic lawnmower and he's mowing? That's wonderful. He's emulating what he sees his father doing, but he's really not doing anything, is he? I mean, he's just emulating and so sometimes that happens when we want to emulate, but we don't have the spiritual maturity to know how to handle it. Let's be sensitive to the Lord and let's allow the, the Lord to work in our life and develop that sensitivity. And one of the best ways we do that is when we disobey, when the Lord says stop and we keep talking, or when the Lord says to say something and, and we, we don't say it. There have been times when the Lord has given me a word for somebody and and I'm like, oh, God, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to receive it. Maybe I was fearful or, you know, whatever. And I didn't. And, man, I feel terrible. After I got home, I'm like, God, I know I was supposed to share that word. And so I don't do that anymore. If the Lord gives me a word, I, I try to be obedient, instant obedience. Because if you think about it, sometimes you'll talk yourself out of it. Oh, well, you know, whatever. And I shared the story where I was in Walmart and, and this lady was obviously in pain, and, and I went up to, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to go pray for her. And so I went up, and, and uh, I said, uh, you don't know me, but I know I can tell that you're in pain. Would you mind if I pray for you? And, and she's like, well, I, I don't know. I, I'm not really comfortable with that. And I said, okay. And so I, when I went to my car, I prayed for her fervently. I prayed and prayed. But I don't know what happened because I went up to her. See, I would, think, I would think in my natural mind, well, well, you missed it, Mark. You missed it. But I don't know. That little seed that I, that I planted by being obedient by the Lord, maybe she got back in her car and, and told her husband or boyfriend, whoever the guy was, hey, you know, maybe we need to pray, or maybe we need to go to church, or maybe, I don't know. It's not for me to know. It's only for me to obey what the Holy Spirit tells me to do. Okay. So, Good. So we need to be sensitive to what God wants and not try to come across super spiritual. Because I've seen people like that, and let's not do that. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 9. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. A couple of weeks ago, I taught on faith. So if you missed that sermon, I encourage you to go online and watch that or, or podcast it. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time there today. But the same Spirit gives great faith to another. He goes on to say in, in verse 9, And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. And I pray for people that have been healed. I pray for other people, and they haven't been healed. Not everyone I pray for has been healed. But you know what? I keep praying. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to seek God. And I'm going to keep praying in faith, because I know He's able. So through, through these few verses, we've already seen some of the gifts that He's given. Wise advice, special knowledge, great faith, gift of healing. It goes on to say in verse 10, 
He gives one person the power to perform miracles. Well, wait a minute. Okay, we just talked about uh, wisdom and, and faith and, and healing and all these things, but this is listed separately. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. And when you look at this Greek word for miracles, it's interesting that this word is our favorite power word, dudamus, which means miraculous power, ability, abundance, mighty strength, mighty power. So we could, we could insert that word dudamus in here. He gives one person the power for dudamus, for mighty power. Listen, God wants to pour through your life in a mighty way. Not just to be kind of like a little kitty cat, but like a tiger roaring like a lion. You know, come on. That's the kind of power that God has given and allocated to us. And we just need to receive it and find out what it is that he wants to do through our lives. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. These are gifts that are available to us. You know, and if some, some may say, well, God doesn't give those gifts today. Paul is writing to the early church. This is almost 60 years after the death of Christ. And he's saying, these are the gifts given. He, he's not saying, these are the gifts that were given. He's saying, these are the gifts that are given. These gifts are for us, guys. So we need to allocate, we need to access what's already been allocated to us. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. A prophetic word from the Lord can change your life. It can change your perspective. It can change your course. God has all kinds of wonderful gifts to give to us. And I know that when I receive words of prophecy, many of those have become a benchmark in my life. If you get a word, either personally or, or someone gives you a word from the Lord, journal that thing, write it down. Because I remember the first word of prophecy that I was ever given was your call to preach. And it was like 20 years after that, and I would go back and look at that word. I would find encouragement in that word. So that's what the word of God will do. That's what prophecy will do. It will encourage you. It will strengthen you. It will help you. It will be a benchmark for you. And I'm going to go into uh, prophecy much deeper as we get through this series. And, and there's a, um, well, when we get to verse 14, if, if you want to read ahead, we're going to continue on in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. But we're going to dive down a little bit deeper into prophecy when we get to chapter 14. In fact, look, 14.1 says, Let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. So God wants us all to prophesy. But what's our high school? Let love be your high school. So let's not get caught up in the gifts. Let's let love be our high school in all that we do. So why does God give us these gifts? Let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. Continues on in verse 10. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. So, just as a bank teller is versed and, and they understand 
what real money looks like. They can tell the real from the counterfeit. We need to be able to discern what's from God and what's not from God. There is a Holy Spirit and there's an unholy spirit. In America, many people struggle with the concept of the spirit realm. The Bible is very clear that there's a spiritual realm. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly places. That's just one example. And so there is a battle. There is a spiritual realm. There's a holy and an unholy spiritual realm. You have a spirit. When your body dies, you're not dead. Your spirit lives on. And so our spirits are encased in a physical body, but our, our, our spirit's going to live on forever. In, in many countries, they have no problem believing in the spiritual realm. They just need to be introduced to the Holy Spirit. And Christine's been to Africa a couple of times, and, and she's told me some of the stories, and they don't have any problems with the spiritual. They have witch doctors come to their meetings and all kinds of stuff. But what they need to be introduced to is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And I, along the same line, I've experienced someone giving a word from the Lord that was not from the Lord. I remember at one point in time there was a, a couple here and they were causing division and dissension and things within the church and this person went and gave them a word and said it basically was something like this. What you're doing is good. God is pleased with you. You know, and when I heard that I'm like, oh no, mm -mm. no, that's not a word from the Lord because God's word says that he hates division. And in fact, his word says that if someone's causing division in the church, warn them once, warn them twice, and have nothing further to do with them. So I knew that wasn't a word from the Lord because it didn't line up with his word. And so I talked to this person. I said, um, from now on, if, if you have a word, maybe you need to run that. Well, I didn't say maybe. I said, you need to run that through Pastor Christine or me before you give a word. And she got all offended, and she's like, well, I only give words of encouragement. And I didn't go into detail to tell her what was going on. It really wasn't any of her business. But I knew that that was not a word from the Lord. There are lying spirits out there. So that's why we need to be cautious, especially when we go to somebody and say that this is a word from the Lord. We need to make sure that it is a word from the Lord. Because as we talked about before, when in the Old Testament, when a prophet would give a word, and it wasn't true. They would stone them. They would kill them. So we have a great responsibility when we say that this is a word from the Lord. But also we need to, anytime somebody comes to us with a word, we need to pray about that. We need to evaluate that. We need to look and one, does it line up with the word of God? If someone comes to you and says, hey, this is a word from the Lord that uh, you're to have an affair with, with your secretary and leave your wife. That's not a word from the Lord. It doesn't line up with the word of God. God hates divorce. And, you know, sometimes people will be looking for an out or trying to justify. Don't do that. Take the Word of God and use that Word of God to examine what's going on in your life, and especially when you get a word from the Lord. And so that's why we need to, to really be cautious about words given to us. And, and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm cautious when, whenever uh, someone has a word for me that I don't know. I don't know anything about their background. I don't know anything about their history. I don't know anything about them. And someone has a word, you know, I'll let them give me a word, but I'm not just going to take the bait. Uh, I, I don't, personally, I don't like a lot of people laying hands on me because I don't know, you know, I don't know where their hands have been. Spiritually, I don't know what, what they're up to. And so I'm cautious about people laying hands on me. The word says a servant of the Lord must have clean hands. 
And uh, so, you know, and, and laying on of hands often represented an impartation. I don't want somebody imparting, imparting to me something that I don't need or want. So we just, you know, there's no need to be paranoid about these kinds of things, but I'm just sharing some of the things that, that I've experienced and uh, some of the things that I'm cautious of. So if someone has a word for you, if it's not biblical, throw it out, okay? Maybe they're not demonized or demon-possessed or anything like that. They could just be like that little boy mowing with a plastic mower. They're emulating what, they're, what they've seen somebody else do, and they're wanting to grow in that. So the other side of this is we need to be gracious to people, but if, if they're not following the Word of God, then maybe there needs to be some correction. So, again, it, it's, a, it's a fine line there, and they say that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. And I know that Pastor Don is a powerful man of God. And so there are people uh, in the church that would probably want to emulate that. But they don't have the spiritual depth and fortitude and maturity. And so, anyway, just be careful when someone gives you a word. And always weigh it against the word of God. And the other thing that you can do is, does it resonate with you? Wait a minute, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And so, many times it will be a confirmation of what the Lord's telling you, or certainly there should be some level of peace for the most part, is what I've experienced. And, and so we need to uh, have that personal relationship with God so that we know the truth from a lie. Okay, let's read on. 1 Corinthians 12, 10. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. I believe that this scripture is one of the most understood and misapplied scriptures in the Bible. And I'm going to address speaking in tongues later in this series. Um, is it a gift? It clearly is. It clearly is. God has not given us these gifts to cause division in the church. And I think this is one of the one of the things that's caused so much division in the church, and I think it's because people have not been taught correctly. I think there's been erroneous teachings on it. And you, you have, it's almost like you have these two camps. You have the camp that embraced the Holy Spirit where anything can go and it can get wild and crazy and completely out of line. Or you have this other camp that says, hey, we've seen what those cuckoos are doing. We're not going to allow that to happen over here. And I think the balance is somewhere in between. I, I've heard about some really weird and wacky things that people would do. Like people going up and acting like a dog is going to urinate on a chair to mark their ter territory for Christ. Listen, God has already given you dominion. You don't have to mark your territory. You already have it through Christ. We already have dominion. And so, you know, people do weird and crazy things. And that's what puts such a bad label on the Holy Spirit, I think, is because people see things like that and they're like, oh no, I don't want anything to do with that. Why would we not want the Holy Spirit? Why wouldn't the enemy try to trick us and make us think, oh, well, if you have the Holy Spirit, you're, you're going to be grabbing the microphone at Walmart and preaching or something, you know? I mean, those kinds of things aren't going to happen, I don't think. I mean, well, I mean, could, but... But it's the, the weird, kooky things that cause people to say, I don't want anything to do with that Holy Spirit. If that's what it's like. And I think it was Robert Morris gave the example of some people think the Holy Spirit's like that wild and crazy uncle that shows up, you know, at Christmas or Thanksgiving every couple of years. You never know what's going to happen. I was thinking about, was it, uh, oh, that 
that uh, that movie Christmas. What was it called with the Griswolds and uh, yeah, vacation or whatever Christmas vacation, where the crazy uncle shows up and you know all kinds of crazy things. And so a lot of people think, well, that's the Holy Spirit, but that's not the that's not the truth. The enemy would want us to think that to repel the Holy Spirit, but we should want to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for us because he will guide us and lead us into all truth. God has not given his gifts to cause division in the church, but to help us and to help the church. And again, I think this specific gift has created more division in the body of Christ than any other. And uh, I think it's because people misunderstand and misapply the gift of speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues. So we'll talk about that later. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12.1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Paul is saying, listen, I want you to understand the fullness, the depth of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are for you. They're not to cause division or to freak you out. They're to help you. Paul doesn't want the church to be confused but to clearly understand the gifts. And I know that that's what God wants for each and every one of us, is that we fully understand the giftings and that we use those in accordance with his word. Listen, when we read the word of God, it's very clear. It's really not that difficult to understand. But what happens a lot of times is you have denominations or you have uh, churches that have always taught it this way, or maybe they're even trying to twist it to fit into their theology and doctrine to make it fit. We shouldn't do that. We should take the Word of God and what it says for what it means and not try to twist it or, or uh, finagle it to fit what we want it to fit or our logic or reasoning or uh, theology or doctrines or any of those things. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says... It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone, He alone decides which gift a person should have. And so if somebody says, well, you're, you know, you, you have, you're only filled with the Holy Spirit if you have this specific gift, that doesn't line up with the Word. He alone decides which gift a person should have. So my first point this morning is, Jesus is still the greatest gift. Amen. Second point is spiritual gifts are given to help each other. Yes. My third point is God distributes the gifts. And as we read in 14 verse 1, and we'll get to later on, we should desire the gift of prophecy. So, again, let's allow him to give to us what he wants, and let's just be open to receive all that he wants to give us. God wants you to understand. He doesn't want you to be fearful of the Holy Spirit or the gifts from the Holy Spirit. It begins with a relationship with God. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Are you here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Him? Or did you have a relationship with Him at one point in time and you walked away? You can come back to Him today. There's no, no harm in that. There's no fear in that. There's no shame in that. Anybody here? God loves you. And God wants to pour into your life. He wants to bring health and healing and wholeness. This morning, we're going to take some time to worship. And 
let's just allow the Holy Spirit to continue to speak into our lives and minister to us. As we go from this building this morning, let's keep in mind that the highest goal is to love. That's the most important thing. The gifts are great, they're valuable, but love is more important. My favorite scripture is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Uh, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. So let's allow God just to continue to pour his love into us and be a conduit that we dispense that love to those who need it most the world around us. Thank you for joining us this morning. You're dismissed. Go out and live it. Live it!